0: Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews, shopping tips, driving green, electric cars, classic cars, and plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel.
1: All right, I am Tom Appel, and this is episode 107 of the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, when you get a chance, please check us out at ConsumerGuide.com. While you're there, check out our Best Buy picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you are searching for a new car or truck. You also want to check out our blog for complete reviews of all the vehicles that we drive here at Consumer Guide and all sorts of other fun stuff. And, and this is important, you can catch up on back episodes of the podcast right there on our homepage. All right. Let's see who is online with us today. He is the managing editor here at Consumer Guide, and his recipe for turkey Stromboli is going to put some pizzazz into Thanksgiving this year. Hello, Damon Bell.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, that's Stromboli. Is that that's pasta, right?
1: No, it's it's, it's like not. a rollover, like a wrap rollover thing.
2: Oh, is there pasta in it? I don't think so. Okay. Mm. I don't think so. For having this award-winning recipe on this, I don't seem to know what stromboli is very
1: well. Stromboli feels like, and I don't know this, something you would find at Zabarro. Hmm. Because it's like a chunky thing you can put on a plate. Is there a tomato sauce element to it? I think it's almost always doused in tomato sauce. Oh. Uh,
2: is turkey a common meat to put with stromboli?
1: Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> okay. I don't know i don't know much about meat but i don't think so oh okay chicken stromboli feels like a thing hmm but i
2: i've I've heard stromboli plenty of times but yeah now that you mention it i'm not really i don't have a clear picture of what stromboli is i guess that's one more thing to look up
1: there you go well (laughs) i was going to say we're going to post a picture but we're not we're not (laughs) no We're not not going to post a picture of Stromboli. We should address the fact that Jill's not here, though I don't remember why she's not here.
2: She's in the City of Angels right now, I believe.
1: Oh, is she at the LA Auto Show?
2: Yeah, there's all kinds of uh, auto industry happenings in the LA area this week. The LA Auto Show being one of the biggest, and then manufacturers like to piggyback lots of other events uh, around the show. We had our own editor-at-large, Don Sikora, at a Toyota electric vehicle event where he got our first our first look at the Toyota BZ4X. And I believe Jill uh, is having a very good day today because I believe she's driving hot-rodded Hyundais on the track somewhere. Uh, some new to- uh, Hyundai Models are they're having a press reveal for those, a press event for those.
1: There it is, we've, we've addressed this briefly before, but it's very interesting how manufacturers are now having events adjacent to auto shows, but mm-hmm. not at the auto shows. And it's kind of a good, I'm going to use the word scam because. <laughs> You get more attention if you have your event before the auto show, right? People are always looking for content so they can post this sooner. And then additionally, it's going to be used in people's summation of the auto show, mm-hmm. right? It happened there. The journalists were there anyway. So it, it's, uh, I don't know. As far as, you, if you're an auto show producer, this kind of sucks. But if you're, a car maker, if you're a car maker, you get why they're doing this. Right,
2: right. So, yeah, I think we were going to, well, first we should say, Uh, who we've got on the show today. Uh, In the next segment, we'll be talking to uh, our friend Brendan Appel. He is the director of operations at the Sons of Speed, uh, kind of a group of guys that uh, produce a lot of interesting uh, enthusiast performance vehicle content, both uh, video and uh, written word. Um, And, Tom, I understand we've got a very high-minded thing that we're doing with Brendan today.
1: Yes. yes, I have officially dubbed it. I hope you're ready. Okay. The 2021 Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast Design Summit. Wow. All right. That's That sounds very uh, hoity-toity. Design Summit, yes. Yeah, okay. We've brought in experts from all over the world. Will this be a, a virtual roundtable, if you will? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it's going to be, Damon. Uh,
2: okay. Well, looking forward to that. <laughs> but yes, all, before all over we, the world. What's
1: that? All over the world.
2: <laughs> well, I'm chopping at the bit for that. But before we get to that, we should talk about uh, some of the vehicles that made their debut either at the LA Auto Show or adjacent to the Auto Show. Yeah. Um, The first of these, you've seen the new Mazda CX-50, right? I have. What's your take on it?
1: I'm interested in this for a lot of reasons. For people who may have missed the news, Mazda made made an announcement recently that they're bringing in a new family of SUVs, of crossovers, uh, to inject some life into Mazda. And Mazda products have almost always been great, but they haven't been hitting exactly where consumers are shopping. Um, they had the CX3 subcompact crossover that was just too small, and the rear seat was too cramped. Mm-hmm. The CX6 was a fan, not the CX-6, the Mazda6 was a fantastic sedan, but no one buys sedans anymore. So, and Mazda didn't really have a mid midsize crossover of any sort. So now they're bringing in three new crossovers: the CX90, or, uh, yeah, CX80, 90, 70, and now 50. Right and the fifty is roughly the same size of, as the existing CX five, but to to our surprise, because I don't really know how this works with the nomenclature, it has a decidedly off road overland character to it.
2: Right, I think they Mazda hasn't released uh, any official dimensions of the CX fifty CX fifty yet. To my eyes, it looks like it's going to be a tad longer and wider than the CX-5, and Mazda has said it's not a replacement for the CX-5, uh, it complements the CX-5. So I th- my, my hunch is that both in size and price, the CX-50 is going to slot in above the CX-5. Um, yes, and you mentioned the CX-70 and the CX-90 we haven't seen those haven't been officially unveiled yet mazda right. has said they're right. coming the cx-7 i would presume to be uh you know mazda's entry into a true two-row mid-size suv like the previous uh and departed cx-7 served in the mazda lineup that will again be a new addition but the cx90 mazda has said will replace
1: the the cx9 in its lineup so and my my confusion here is since the cx50 is off roady and kind of rugged the cx90 i don't think will follow suit uh since it's going to be the single vehicle in their three row midsize segment but right and (laughs) the, the
2: the I I watched the launch presentation. The CX-50 was actually uh, unveiled via a virtual presentation. And long story short, it seems like Mazda has sort of looked over at how well Subaru is doing and said, hey, we need to put a kayak on the roof of one of these things. (laughs) (laughs) So the CX-50, it's got that Mazda, you know, very signature uh, Mazda design. They call it Kodo design. So it's got that, you know, it, it, it looks like a Mazda, but it's wider, you know, kind of beefier stance, beefier, wider stance, more bulged out fenders, a little bit longer. And then they have festooned it with the expected rugged styling touches, the black body cladding that arches over the, the wheel openings. Um, some off-road all-terrain looking tires and then of course you have to have a big old roof rack on the top because that you is a, it's, whether whether it's well actually it will probably be an accessory at best but when you show the vehicle for the first time you have to have that uh, that rugged uh, accessory on top
1: Yeah, this is probably exactly what Mazda needs in their lineup. Uh, I had one other... I was reading someone else's review of this vehicle about the introduction, and they noted that the CX-5 will be the urban vehicle, and this will be the off-road vehicle in that segment. And it's a perfect split. Uh, And this could well become Mazda's best-selling vehicle in a very short period of time.
2: Yeah, I'm a little... It's a, it's, you know, Subaru has, has been lucky to find itself in this space where customers want to be, but they've been there for a long time. It's a little, too, in my mind, it's a little bit trickier for Mazda to pivot this way because, you know, Mazda's focus in recent years, well, for a long time, has been on road performance and uh, really precise, dialed in. A light feel in handling and power delivery, but very focused in, you know, corner carving on pavement. So they are saying that, so the off, the pivot to off-road is a little bit more of a stretch for them, but in the launch materials for the CX-50, they're still kind of planting their flag in the ground on, hey, this is going to have a driver-centric athletic feel, but on the on off-road trails as well as on the pavement
1: yeah i agree with you that it's a it's a bit awkward for mazda but i think it's completely necessary i think at this point mazda has to stave um, the loss of customers drifting off to other makes and their own customers are probably changing in taste as well and probably looking for something like this so Mm -hmm. yeah it's a bit of recalibration for the brand i guess um, but they can still make the claim that it's a good handling off road vehicle. Sure. But and, you know, if we if we go back not that far, you remember those commercials maybe from 15 years ago where there's a guy with a headset on at some sort of weird headquarters talking to some dude trashing a Mazda 6 out on the road. And he's like, how does it feel? and, and <laughs> and that was get right that was the whole character of the car it was just supposed to feel sporty and natural and that's certainly not what the case is going to be for this vehicle but i'm not really sure there are that many customers left for that
2: yeah and and all that said you know obviously we haven't driven it yet um we'll have a pretty good idea of what it will feel like because well for better or worse the powertrains of the mazda's existing powertrains uh at the start are carrying over to the cx-50 and that's uh, a naturally aspirated and turbocharged uh, 2.5 liter four-cylinder still saddled with a kind of behind the times six-speed automatic transmission but uh, there will be, a, Mazda says that in the coming years there will be electrified versions of the CX-50 as well. Hybrid and possibly plug-in hybrid and maybe pure electric versions as well. We'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, but strictly from a visual standpoint, if you envision, okay, we need to mix Mazda styling DNA with a more off-road, all-terrain flavored flair... I think they nailed it with this look and style of the CX-50, although the obligatory flat black uh, hood graphic with the (laughs) CX-50 lettering might be going a tad too far. I might might delete that if I was getting one myself.
1: I'm already super tired of hood graphics. I want to make an interesting Mazda point before we move on. Uh, You know what word I have not heard uh, anywhere in this discussion of the CX-50 anyplace?
2: Jinba itai
1: no no good guess i though. guess that's a uh, phrase sorry <laughs> sky active
2: sky active oh i think that's in the uh, the press release i read they they did mention it but not uh just in brief passing to the powertrains
1: did they okay because there's yeah. active i i think is which is what they call their all-wheel drive system but mazda had spent a lot of time on on um Skyactiv-D, which was going to be their diesel engine, and Skyactiv-X, which was going to be their gasoline diesel engine, Uh, what's that called, homogeneous charge compression ignition, an engine that actually uh, uses diesel diesel compression to ignite gasoline, which is a tricky thing that no one's really mastered yet, but that was going to be coming to the U.S. as well. Hmm. And we're not hearing anything about that. And now with the move to electric, we're never going to hear about it.
2: Yeah, that might be kind of left on the wayside. So what else is going on
1: adjacent to L.A.?
2: Well, either adjacent or unveiled at L.A., uh, we'll just we mentioned the the BZ4X. Um, yeah. And that we had talked about on this podcast before uh, when Toyota unveiled the concept version. But that is coming out as a production vehicle for 2023. Uh, I believe it's set to go on sale either early or mid uh 2022 so that's just around the corner and yes what they showed uh in la or in southern california this week was a very much production ready vehicle obviously in kind of prototype form but it what we saw this week is what will eventually be on dealership lots in the near future um And I'll also just throw out uh, the Nissan Aria. That's something else that was shown in L.A. that uh, we have seen previously. Yes, that was kind of delayed from from uh, I think it was really supposed to be on sale now, but that's been pushed back. So that's going to be hitting the streets in 2022 as well. And then there's
1: also a, a small electric
2: crossover. Right. And then we also mentioned the uh, last week when we, or in a previous show when we had the our guest Lefty from the LA Auto Show on, one of the big uh, banner reveals at this year's LA Auto Show is the Fisker Ocean, yeah, and that's uh, Henrik Fisker's startup. Actually, we'll say restart-up company, <laughs> uh, a very fashion-forward uh, compact SUV, and so all of these vehicles. Well, CX-50, obviously not electric yet, but the BZ-4X, the Aria, and the Ocean, all pure electric vehicles, all compact SUVs, which I guess shouldn't be surprising. That's where the bulk of the market is, and this is just the next wave of mainstream-focused compact SUVs that will join the Volkswagen ID4. Uh, the Ford Mustang Mach-E and the Chevy Bolt EUV as as EVs, mainstream focused heart uh, hard-of-the-market EVs that are already out there. So it's going to be an interesting year coming forward to see how these new entries get launched and how they kind of settle into the market.
1: Yeah, and I'm super interested. And, and stop me if I'm talking about Fisker too much. but. Henrik Fisker's history is fascinating because he was a designer with Aston Martin for a while and made his way around the industry. But he's a, he's, a, he's a guy with a lot of drive and a lot of ideas. And after Aston Martin, he started two companies of his own, really three. The first one was Fisker, and that, they did the, the Fisker Karma, a plug-in extended range hybrid vehicle that came in around 2010, 2011. That company ended up running out of cash. Uh, Somewhere in there, he also did something called Fisker Coachworks, which was uh, doing coach-built bodies around Mercedes-Benz and BMW convertible chassis, and those cars are really interesting to look at and now he's taking this, and he went from a really high-end perspective and really high-end design philosophy to build an affordable, small crossover. And this is what that looks like. And it's, I think it's kind of cool looking. And we have to point out that the California mode, which is a little bit contrived, <laughs> is kind of cool. You press one button and every window in the vehicle except the windshield goes down, mm-hmm. which, is, which is fun. That's funky fun. Yeah, lift gate glass and rear quarter windows as well, which as you and
2: I were talking about the other day, very abbreviated quarter windows because there needs to be body real estate for that right, window to right. retract it before it hits the rear wheel opening. So, yeah, a little a little bit of a design compromise there. But again, as I mentioned to you with 360-degree uh, surround view monitors and cameras and stuff, I guess the, the actual size of the window itself uh, doesn't matter quite as much these days. I know, I know we have to wrap things up so we can get uh, Brendan brought on here, but just one thing I want to point out with all of these, the, the BZ4X, the Aria, the Ocean, and by extension, the Volkswagen ID4 and the Mustang Mach-E, All heart of the market compact SUVs with the EV powertrain, and as we sort of experienced with the driving, test driving the ID4, and as I'm seeing with all of these new vehicles that are unveiled at LA, they have very unconventional, ambitious, some might say overly ambitious styling in addition to their pure (laughs) EV powertrains. And I'm just going to throw this out there. Should there be an auto, uh, should an automaker zig where everyone else seems to be zagging and come out with an electric vehicle, electric compact SUV that is as conventionally styled as possible? It, again, if we're trying to coax like everyday consumers into this, you know, brand new powertrain technology that has a lot of differences both, uh, you know, positive and negative versus a, a conventional gasoline powertrain, would they be more apt to make that jump if the rest of the vehicle wasn't so uh,
1: in-your-face unconventional? I don't know. That's a great question, <laughs> and I don't know. Right. Right you set us up for another show that's right all right i get
2: uh, lucky that uh, again those are those are multi-million dollar questions and if you guess wrong you can be in tough shape as an automaker But it and, seems... if we,
1: and if you and i try we can come up with 20 dollar answers <laughs> that's right <laughs> all right we're going to take a break and when we come back we talk to brendan Appel of the sons of speed stick around Hey, it's Tom. Did you know that with Electrify America's vast electric vehicle charging network, you can now drive your EV from coast to coast? And with their ultra-fast charging stations, you'll get back on the road even faster. With more than 650 convenient locations nationwide, just pick your destination and hit the road. Visit ElectrifyAmerica.com and see how Electrify America is bringing freedom to EV drivers. That's ElectrifyAmerica.com.
0: Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast.
1: All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for sticking around today. Hey, this is the part of the show when I strongly recommend that you follow me on Twitter. I am car guy Tom. That is car underscore guy underscore Tom on Twitter. I promise to entertain. All right, our guest today is the director of operations for the Sons of Speed, a website you should certainly know about. Welcome to the Car Stuff Podcast, Brendan Appel. Hey, Brendan. Great to be here, Tom. Thank you. Let me just remind people very quickly, we are not related. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately so. You're a great
0: guy, and uh, we really yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, no, I'd,
1: I'd be cool with it. I'd be cool with it. All right, this is your second visit. You are now officially a friend of the Car Stuff podcast, so welcome.
0: Yes, and I'll take that gold jacket and an extra large, please. <laughs>
1: Now, Brendan, before we get started, we should like let people know that you're also a lawyer, and I have a question for you. Can I sue Damon for not pushing the steering wheel back in when he gets out of test cars?
0: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'd be happy to represent that one. I'm
1: thinking like uh, half a million. Jill when she leaves the duck. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so worried about Joe.
2: Brendan, can I, can I sue Tom for never pulling the steering wheel out when he leaves the test vehicle? <laughs> You can know these... that's the problem I have with most people is
0: I get in a car and that steering wheel is flat against the dash, and I'm just like, who drives like this?
2: Who has orangutang arms?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so these, so, so we, a we've established that these
2: laws, the, the we've established these lawsuits, we can do it, but they'll cancel each other out, right? Correct. Um, yes. Okay. So
1: uh... <laughs> <laughs> Brendan, before we get started, tell us a little bit about the Sons of Speed.
0: So Sons of Speed is a company we started, uh, I started with a couple of friends of mine about six years ago, uh, because our fathers just absolutely instilled in us the love of vehicles, cars, especially muscle cars, anything that went fast. So we decided, you know what, we love cars so much, we do all have other jobs that we do, but this is something we felt passionate about. So we started Sons of Speed back in 2015, and we just had a great time uh, taking cars out on racetracks, reviewing anything that we can get our hands on and really kind of we call it we have fun with cars but it, sometimes it's stupid fun with cars so like we <laughs> put a Tucson against a, uh, a Corvette in a slalom race you know we we do stuff like that where we just have a lot of fun with these vehicles and really like to showcase what these uh what these manufacturers are doing nowadays uh, which is pretty impressive so uh, we also have recently uh partnered up with uh, auto exotica the median and rides and drives and we formed a conglomerate called we are motor driven and so we're all together under one umbrella but we all still produce
1: our own content i got you but we we can find your video all at the same place right
0: yes so if you go to real dot com all of our stuff is there you can find us on youtube um uh, at, real, at sons of speed and also we are motor driven we're on facebook instagram TikTok, twitter uh, but if you start at the website, com, you can find all of that stuff through that.
1: All right, sounds good. And you guys recently drove the Hyundai Santa Cruz and did a fine video on that. How can we find that video?
0: That is on our Sons of Speed page. So it's uh, youtube.com slash C slash Sons of Speed, and you will find that uh, the review of the Santa Cruz there. It's uh, quite an amazing vehicle. I know you guys have driven it and liked it uh, having listened yeah. to the podcast i know uh, i know these things um, but yes very very impressive vehicle
1: <laughs> all right brendan we invited you here today to take place in an exciting experiment this is our first ever <laughs> annual consumer guide car stove podcast design summit um, and i intend to make a very big deal of those about every 12 months <laughs> But this is this is the plan. I've got you here. I've got Damon here, and I'm going to ask you guys to tell me what you think of the styling of five vehicles that you are not prepared to hear about. So you guys got no notice about these. So I want I want That's honest great. reactions to the vehicles. I'm going to I'm going to throw out at you, and then and then tell me what you guys think of the styling. Okay, who's
0: going
1: first? You guys can go at the same time. Uh, I want to hear moans or thumbs ups, whatever you got. All right all right are you guys ready got five cars for you today and then later on we're going to talk about the acura integra since that one's very uh very buzzworthy right now Mm -hmm. all right are you guys ready for the first car sure the redesigned honda civic
2: i like it what what did you say brandon i said it's safe safe yeah that (laughs) is a that is a good descriptor the one one thing uh the I I can appreciate and understand the initial reaction to the redesigned 422 Honda Civic. I could sum it up in a three-letter word, meh. Most people (laughs) seem to be (laughs) underwhelmed that the styling was, as Brendan put it, safe, maybe a little too conservative for for most people. But I will point to that new Civic as an example of pictures you see online on the internet in a magazine or whatever obviously that tells you most of what you need to know but there is definitely something to be said for seeing a vehicle in person in the flesh and walking around it and experiencing it while it's sitting right in front of you and i would say that the civic comes off much better and a bit more dynamic in person than it does in photos i'm going to i would agree with you you. Yeah, go
0: ahead, Tom.
1: Now I was going to agree with you, Brendan, that, that safe is a great word for it, but I want to add a couple of other words and that is um upscale and solid. I I just think it's got a very substantial feel to it when you see it. It it looks like a bigger car than I think we're we're we typically we might typically associate the civic name with. But now that it's one of the few cars still left in that segment, uh I think that I think it's a great position for it.
0: Yeah, my biggest Downside on this car is that is the grill treatment, and it, it's got a very flat front, which is probably a safety requirement in Europe, uh, since everything apparently has to have a flat front for the pedestrians uh, to. Uh, have a gentle collision with um, (laughs) anything raked but that front grill that just kind of goes sideways it just doesn't do anything for me it uh, it, which is an easy fix so this is i've noticed that manufacturers like to do this they'll come out with a car and they'll they'll do something with the front end treatment that on the freshening it's almost like they're they're giving you something that isn't great today because they know they have to freshen something in two or three years and they're going to fix that front end i hope Mm. that's what honda's got under their sleeve at least maybe for the r version
1: that's right. Like
2: I'm, deep- I'm, 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 I'm sorry, Tom. I'm very curious to see what the forthcoming Type R the version of the Civic looks like because the previous gen Type R, the general reaction to that was that it was way too boy racery and that they went too far in the uh, transformer robot toy direction with the styling of the uh, previous gen Type R. I will say the new uh, generation Civic Si. The, you know, semi-sporty version, which uh, slots above the rest of the Civic lineup, but a a ways below the Type R, that could have been a little bit sportier for my taste, just with, you know, front and rear fascia add-ons and maybe a spoiler. I don't think they went quite far enough with the SI, but I'm curious to see what the Type R looks like.
1: All right. Next vehicle. Are you guys ready? Yes. Yes, we All right. The Toyota Corolla Cross. I'll let you take that one, David.
2: Oh, I was going to let you go first. Uh, well, here I will. I will say, um, safe. <laughs> it maybe has a little uh, um, styling flair, but the the overall concept of that vehicle is so middle of the road and and mainstream that um, it's hard to. There, there is a tiny bit of styling flair, but everything else about it is so conventional that um, the, 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 my, my total assessment of the Corolla Cross would be, eh, it's fine, <laughs> and that's all it needs to be. I mean, people just want something that's unchallenging. They're gonna, they're gonna sell a ton of them. So, uh, not particularly exciting styling, but I don't think it needs to be.
0: Yeah, Are it's any, a any 4 mini. It's a 4 mini to me. It's going to get lost in the shuffle, but it's going to get lost in a very, very large shuffle. As Damon said, they're going to sell a ton. They don't need to make it uh, a styling home run. They just need to make it a solid single, and I think that's exactly what they did. Um, you're just not going to be able to really pick this thing out of a lineup as a specifically that vehicle from a distance. You know, you have to get up close to, to see if, it, if, it's, if it's a crawl across, that it's not a RAV4, that, uh, that it's, it's not something uh, even from, from Honda or, one, or Hyundai or one of the other manufacturers. It's, it's, it's very middle-of-the-road styling. Nothing special sure, just- happening
1: there i had a slightly different take than you guys i thought that it was interesting that it looks as boxy and trucky as it does and Mm -hmm. i wondered if that was a reaction to the chr on his other subcompact crossover that looked just a little bit too car like and maybe just a little too weird yeah but uh, but yeah it is pretty conventional looking but i think in a welcome way uh all right you guys ready for another one yes absolutely all right the jeep wagoneer aha (laughs) <laughs> the Grand
0: Wagoneer or just the Wagoneer? Either. So um, I kind of like this one. Uh, I have. I remember I had a friend of mine who had his his mom had the original uh, Grand Wagoneer or Wagoneer back when it had the wood sides in the early eighties, awesome. and it was it was a cool vehicle back then. And the new one is. I love the front end, I love the back end, I don't like the the bright chrome trim around the mm. windows. When you from a distance it it looks wrong. It 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 for some reason I just that bothers me. But everything else about it I like a lot.
2: Now this this is a vehicle where I think again the seeing it in pictures online versus seeing it in person comes into play. I wouldn't when when jeep first showed the wagoneer slash grand wagoneer in concept form do you remember that really lavishly trimmed with all the you know laser sure. thin wood and then it had this gigantic panoramic sunroof with like detroit uh, street map kind of superimposed on it that was amazing and it had those big yeah. you know concept car sized wheels they were probably at least 22s and and I remember seeing that in person and being pretty dazzled by it, and then by the time the production ones, we saw them in person and we started seeing pictures of them out in the real world on the streets, the production one was faithful to the concept, but man, the little changes where the smaller wheel size, seeing the Grand Wagoneer and Wagoneer in person... It just felt it it occasionally looks a little bloated to me and and a little bit too big for its wheels (laughs) you know it's crazy to think that a 20 inch wheel could somehow be lost in a in a wheel opening but in at some level i think that's kind of the case with the wagoneer and grand wagoneer when the rest of the vehicle when the rest of the vehicle is so big it just it doesn't look planted to me very well and i would I appreciate Jeep breaking with kind of normal tradition with the, the side window openings, but I think I'm kind of with Brendan in that the chrome trim around each separate window opening makes it look a little less sleek.
1: I'm, I'm pretty much on board with you guys. My, my problem with the vehicle is that I don't see the heritage, and I think the GM and Ford big trucks look better, but... All right. And let me just no.
0: add one thing: is oh, that the sure. demon was absolutely right about the difference between the concept. The concept was amazing, and, 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 and well, that was a, no. this was a deep fly ball to center field that got caught. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: going to stick with
0: the baseball <laughs> analogies for a while. All right.
1: <laughs> All right. You guys ready for another vehicle? Yes. Yeah. The Rivian R1T. Ooh. I dig it. Rivian's Rivian's first production vehicle.
2: I dig it. I I think it's it's unconventional in interesting ways, but I guess when you're comparing a a boundary pushing pure electric vehicle and you set the R1T and the Tesla Cybertruck next to each other. <laughs> to, for me, that's a pretty easy choice as to which one looks better uh, and which one went way off the deep end. I've seen people complain yeah, about the kind of grillless nose and the, the inboard uh, headlights, uh, but I actually I really like oh, that. I think it gives I it like a them. distinctive. I think it gives it a distinctive look, and uh, it helps it stand out right out of the gate.
0: Yeah, Damon, I'm right with you. The Cybertruck went past the point of where it needed to be, quite a <laughs> bit.
2: <laughs> the Rivian is
0: exactly where a brand new company's electric truck needed to be. It needed to dis- be distinctive. It needed to be, I'm aware and then it needed to provide all of the things that it does as far as you know the functionality and that that little I forget what they call it that cubby hole that's behind the uh, under the yeah. bed behind the Rivian. Yeah, that, that unconventional.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that yeah so the design stuff,
0: was- I'm with you guys. <laughs> it, it, nailed it. Just absolutely nailed it. Um, it's it, it. The light bar on the back uh, matches up with the light bar in the front. Those front headlights are the kind of thing that a manufacturer has to do to grab some attention and it's going to be a yeah. the controversy they like. They want you to talk about that. And then in mm-hmm. five years, you're going to think that that looks great and no one ever had a problem with it.
2: Right. Right, right, and, it, and, and yeah. I, the the one I, I will be put a huge check mark in the R1T's box as well. Despite all that envelope pushing, all those envelope pushing design choices, overall. There's a lot of restraint there, and it's not overwrought and overdone with 18 no, um, different, tidy. you know, you know the, every body character line going every which way. It's actually kind of reserved in a lot of ways, and that's a, another thing I think is a strength.
1: Yeah, no, it's a cohesive look. It, 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 right. It, 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 it doesn't look like a lot of crazy stuff happened. Right. All right, We got one more on the I'm schedule that you guys up. don't know about. Are you ready? Okay. okay. The C8 Corvette. Okay. Uh, I will take this one because I am sort of a bit, uh,
0: fanatic here. Owning a C7, uh, the C8 looks fantastic. Um, it's funny because one of my partners, we are motor-driven, just does not like it at all. Um, but I think she's wrong. So mm-hmm. the, uh, the the look is great. The new Z06 that's coming, um, I think, te- you know, ticks all the right boxes. You get the center exhaust back. Um, and the overall, I, I still, you know, you see it on the road and you still take a double take sometimes and say okay is that the is that a ferrari is it a mclaren no it's the corvette but it's it's exactly where it needed to be this is the design i think they wanted to do for the seventh generation but they bankruptcy sort of put the kibosh on the mid-engine at that point and now they're able to do that and i i i really enjoy it i really like that that design
2: I dig it. I it, it, Yeah, when you have to tackle as many things as the C8 Corvette did, you know, completely changing the layout, but then also coming through with usable uh, luggage space and what have you. There are so many uh, bars that they needed to hit. I think it's a little, some of the design elements are a tiny bit busy um, and angular i've seen them on the streets in white and i think they look a lot better that way it might be something where color choice uh plays in quite a bit but yeah overall i think they they did exactly what they needed to do with the c8
1: all right we're running out of time here but real quick what do you guys think of the new integra this of course is accurate small sporty now it's a sedan only uh but back in the day this was an enthusiast favorite does the new car do the old car justice
2: we should say, too, it's actually a hatchback sedan. Um, That's true. has kind of a sloped roof. Uh, I've seen a lot of uh, – there, there's been a lot of Internet backlash against it, so it seems that the Twitterati is mostly giving the Integra a thumbs-down uh, and I've seen lots of pictures showing that new Integra prototype uh, next to the Honda Accord cross-tour, that sloped roof. Yeah, that's, uh, cold. <laughs> that's It cool. is pretty, pretty cold. So,
0: Yeah, they're, they're, they're too, they're, those are cousins that are too close in, uh, you know, in looks to, uh, to be kosher in our book. I mean, that's, they could have done so much with the, uh, with, with the, Ac- the Integra that everyone loved, which you know, was uh, one of the R models from the last generation, and they, I think they lost an opportunity there to, to really nail the styling. Uh, this is It's too big and bloated for me.
1: There you go. All right. You guys, thank you for taking part in the first ever Consumer Guide Car Stuff Design Summit. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, Brandon, you're sticking around for the quiz, right? Absolutely. All right. When we right. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, it's quiz time. Stick around.
0: Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast.
1: All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Hey, Brandon. Yes? Brandon, tell us what's coming up at the Suns of Speed.
0: Well, we just got back from Napa Valley with Hyundai, and we got to sample the new Elantra N and Kona N at Um. Sonoma Raceway. I mean could not be a more fun event the driving impressions are embargoed until uh, this coming monday night central time so look for that on our channels i will tease a little bit the elantra n you can get in a six-speed manual there Thanks. you go
1: and i know that's important to you <laughs>
0: it is the emo- i worship at the church at the third pedal so i am <laughs>
1: excited
0: about that and it will come across in our review
1: all right Hey Damon, the Cook County Board of Trustees has just awarded you the title of Twitter Tweetmaster Master of the Year. How'd that happen?
2: <laughs> uh, just a, a lot of dedication and focus.
1: Well, it really paid off. Sir. Yeah. Yep,
2: yep. And you, if you want to see what where the magic's at, you can uh, follow me uh, at Damon Bell Likes <laughs> Cars on Twitter. Where the I magic think path. I think my I think my uh, badges and medal are are coming in the
1: mail. So all right all right it is quiz time brendan thank you for sitting in today jill was struggling as of late on the quiz so uh damon needs a real challenger i hope you're up to the uh up to the
0: (laughs) i will do my best
1: all right today's topic is car sales through october all sales numbers are per industry insider publication automotive news Mm. all right and i just want to point out that some of the fun has gone out of following sales data because of covid because nothing makes sense anymore
2: Mm-mm. But right, that well, will be our excuse for getting things
1: wrong, then. Yes, you, you guys have a built-in excuse. <laughs> All right, Brendan, you're a guest. You go right, first right, right. today, Brendan. Through October, which sold better, the Honda Insight or the Genesis GV80? Ooh,
0: so the Insight would be the electric one, right?
1: That is the hybrid Civic-sized car. Hybrid, and, and the GV80. Uh, is Hyundai's? Or I'm sorry, Genesis's new midsize uh, luxury SUV.
0: Yes. Um, what? Well, boy, this—that's a tough question. The GV80 is a fantastic vehicle for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, and beautiful I keep interior. telling people to buy it. <laughs> yes, it's beautiful. So I keep telling people to buy that one. I have never told anyone to buy a Honda Insight. So, but based on that alone, hopefully, my recommendations pull some weight in the marketplace. I am going to go with the GV80. Sure <laughs>
1: You're saying GV80. Damon, this question. GV80. All right. Damon, this question goes to you. Insight or GV80? Best selling through October.
2: I know that the, I believe Genesis has had some supply chain issues getting the GV80 out there. But yeah, I uh, in a normal world, the GV80 would be beating the pants off the Insight. So I
1: will say GV80 as well. Your logic is sound, but both of you are wrong. The Honda Insight, 18,206 examples. The Genesis, 16,969. No one scores on that question. Right. Damon, next question goes to you. Uh, Which sold better, every single Genesis car or the Genesis GV80? Hmm. That's the G70, G80, and G90 combined or the GV80?
2: Wow, and so you, we already know that the GV80 is only 16,000.
1: 16,969.
2: Uh, God, I know that they're probably not doing much of any volume with the GV, with the G80 and G90, but G70 is probably doing pretty well. I'm going to say that the cars are selling better than the GV80.
1: All right, Brendan, this question goes to you. And we all know
0: how cars don't sell in the United States, and I'm going to break this tie whether one way or another, so I'm going to say the GV80
1: again. Brendan you did break the tie and you're correct. Oh! Ah. Drat. Brent, Brendan is on the board. Yeah, the cars did 15,508 combined. The GV80 did 16,969. Uh, wow. Next question goes to Brendan. Which sold better through the first 10 months of the year, the Toyota Venza or the Toyota Sequoia?
0: Ooh, the Venza was a well-loved vehicle. I know Jill's dad really loved it and she loves it and I- Uh, very useful vehicle, and uh, so I think its heralded return would have been welcomed, Um, and the Sequoia is just a it's a long in the tooth uh, nameplate, I don't know uh, where it is in its life cycle, but it's been around for a long time, so there's no excitement behind it but that doesn't mean it doesn't sell well Uh, it's a long way of saying, I will go with the
1: Venza All right, Damon, this question goes to you Venza or Sequoia? God, this could be one of your trick questions Could be, might not Uh. be
2: yeah, that's obvious. Sequoia is so old. I think I got to agree
1: with Brendan and say Venza. Yeah, this one wasn't even close. The Venza, about 54000 The Sequoia, about $6,000. Hmm. So, All right, it is wow. two to one in favor of our guests. The next question goes to Damon. Damon, which sold better through the first eight, uh, 10 months of the year, the Subaru Legacy or the Ford Fusion?
2: could be another one of your trick questions but i gotta say legacy since the fusion is basically discontinued
1: production ended in july
0: but legacy now. so that is a very interesting question because i that's exactly when you said ford fusion i said ford doesn't make cars except for the mustang anymore so how is this even in the quiz um but here's the weird thing is uh fusions if you go rent a car are still being rented rail car companies buy fusions by the boatload so uh, are we including fleet sales
1: this is total sales so this would include fleet
0: hmm and even though it's a short run through July I think um, I think those fleet sales could make up the difference
1: I'll go with the fusion all right Damon you said legacy I did but I'm regretting it already no, you don't regret it. The Legacy did 20,000, the Fusion oh. did about 12,000.
2: Mm. Oh, wow. Even so the... when did when did the Fusion actually go out of production then? It's been...
1: Uh, the end of July. Of this year? Yes. Wow, it lasted that long. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. I think it was basically fleet only at the end, but who knows with the pandemic. They might have been pushing those on dealers just because dealers needed product.
2: All right. We tied it up then.
1: Sweet. All right. It's two to two. Uh, last question goes to Brendan. A last regular question. We do have a bonus question. <laughs> Brendan, which of the following sold better through the first 10 months of 2021? The Lincoln Corsair, that would be Lincoln's compact crossover, or the Lexus NX, that would be Lexus's compact crossover?
0: Ooh. All right. Well, um, if I remember from a previous podcast, the Lexus NX is a very good seller, uh, I think, for, for Lexus. Um, I've been yelled at about this. Think- yes. <clears throat> <laughs> Um, which I did not know. Um, I am. I was up until this last NX, which just got redesigned, and it's actually a real great car. I did not like the previous NX at all. Um, the Corsair is their very small uh, SUV, so it's given that its price point is low, it's probably one of their best sellers, if not their best seller right now as well. So the question is, people buying more
1: Lincoln's and Lexus's. Um, I'll go with the Lexus NX. All right, Damon. This question goes to you. Corsair or NX?
2: I gotta say, Lexus NX as well. I don't. I don't know that the Corsair has really. My sense is that it hasn't made too many inroads into the market, and the N, the Corsair can be surprisingly expensive, where the NX is pretty uh, aggressively priced for what it is. So I'll
1: say NX. Uh, you guys are both correct. The NX wildly outsold the Corsair, fifty-four thousand to nineteen thousand, hmm. which means we wow. are tied three and three. Nice job, guys. We go to the bonus question. Uh, Bonus question goes to Damon Uh, first. I hope you're ready, Damon.
2: Yes, looking forward to whatever weird food or restaurant thing this might be about.
1: No, nothing to do with food or restaurants (laughs) this (laughs) time. Oh, cool. Damon, if you recall your Hannah and Barbera classic cartoon, Secret Squirrel, you may recall the lead character sidekick, Morocco Mole. I learned this week that though the show... Though shown thus in the cartoon, moles generally are not inclined to wear fezes. But regardless, <laughs> this delightful little burrowing mammal can be found in every continent on the planet except South Africa, I'm sorry, South America and Antarctica. I need you to tell me which of the following is not a species of mole. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. Okay, I need the fake mole. The <laughs> star-nosed mole, the Japanese shrew mole, the de Witten's golden mole, or the Austro-Hungarian Black Mole? I'm going to say the Japanese Shrew Mole. You're calling that the fake? Yeah. All right. Brendan, this question goes to you. I know you know a lot about this sort of thing. Which is the fake mole? The star-nosed mole? The Japanese Shrew Mole? The de Witten's Golden Mole? Or the Austro-Hungarian Black Mole? What is it, de Wittens Anything. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's that? fantastic. DeWitton's Golden? Yeah, DeWitton's Golden Mole. Sounds like an old it's steam old car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, it's just because that one's
0: striking me is uh, standing out, I'm going to go with the DeWitton's Golden Mole.
1: Oh, you guys are both wrong. It was the Austro-Hungarian Black Mole. Mm. Wow. Wow, this is a good tie.
2: Fantastic. All it's right, nice job, guys. The best man won. (laughs) That's right. We're both best men. Welcome, Brendan.
1: (laughs) Damon, in in the precious few moments remaining in the show, tell us what's going on at the CG Daily Drive blog. You know,
2: whenever you say precious moments, I think of those figurines. I'm just. I'll never say
1: that again. (laughs) I will never say that again. My mother Uh, collects those. Let
2: Sorry, you know. <laughs> uh, a lot of stuff we talked about in the first segment we've got on the blog this week we got our first look of the toyota bz4x and the 2023 mazda cx-50 uh we've also got a our first spin test drive of the jeep grand cherokee which is new for 22 if you recall for 21 jeep kicked off the fifth generation of its Grand Cherokee with a three-row Grand Cherokee called Grand Cherokee L. So this two-row Grand Cherokee is following up for 22 and unlike the L, it comes in a super off-road-focused Trailhawk version, and coming soon will be a 4xe plug-in hybrid version of that as well. Um, Speaking of auto shows, we've got just a quickie post on what is on the schedule for 2022, since the 2022 calendar year looks like we're gonna be getting back to more of a normal roster of in-person auto shows. And also in terms of uh, auto shows and concept vehicles, we have a forgotten concept of the Mitsubishi SSU, which is a very radical looking, uh, sporty design SUV, crossover SUV.
1: You know what's interesting about the SSU, at least to me, um, is that it more or less foreshadowed where where crossover styling was going, and it's not where Mitsubishi ended up going. Indeed. No, and it looks cool. Do you guys remember the Mitsubishi uh, Axiom? Oh, that was an Isuzu, I'm sorry. Yeah, Isuzu Axiom, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's just—it's interesting to me that that was sort of this melding of truck and crossover that didn't quite get where it needed to go and didn't save the brand in the U.S. But it was—it was a shot. It was a shot at what that what people thought that was going to be.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and now and now hot rod uh, street performance SUVs relatively commonplace. So yeah, in a weird way, the Mitsubishi SSU was at least a little bit predictive.
1: Yeah. All right. Guess what we did. <sighs> we burned we through the time
2: and- We did, Brendan, no,
1: thank you so much any- for joining us today
0: Thank you, and I would say and Anytime you get to the end of the show You have wowed and impressed your audience
1: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, <laughs> he's Brendan Appel with the Sons of Speed We thank him for joining us today Thank you, Damon uh thanks to producer lady b and the good folks here at wcpt am 820 in chicago a special shout out to my good friend steve and johnny again if you want to be added to the car stuff mailing list and you completely do i need a lot more of you guys on the list drop us a line here at car stuff at consumerguide.com that is car stuff at consumerguide.com all right let's talk more about cars again next week